I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome into Attacking Third. Happy Friday, everyone. So great to see everyone. We have Darian Jenkins, Sandra Herrera, Lisa Carlin, and I'm Jenny Chu here with you guys. Sandra, start us off. How's your Friday been? We got some good news, but, you know, just happiness all around. It's going incredible. It's been 50 degrees and sunny in Chicago the last two days, which is tragedy when you think about global warming. But I think in the short term sense, you're like, yay, February, lovely weather. Let's uh, let's enjoy it. So I'm doing all right. Feeling feeling lucky to, to have a, a little bit of uh, less gray skies going on over here. I see you have the Thigatus kit on. I love to see it. It's Footy Kit Friday. Darian, what are you rocking? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, feeling great. There's some sunshine. So my mood is instantly like 30 times better. I'm rocking this cool vintage Brazil kit. Uh, I saw it on Instagram and I have a problem with shopping. So I ordered three of them. But yeah, decided to rock this today. Lovely. I like it. It's very pretty. I'm good, Jenny. Happy Friday, everyone. Excited for the weekend. I know that's like so cliche and cheesy, but like, honestly, I really am. Um, I'm rocking U.S. World Cup kit. I've got Germa on the back. I like this one. I'm going to talk a little San Diego today. Uh, the U.S. roster came out. The Gold Cup we're preparing for. So I decided to go with Germa. Absolutely fitting. Love to see it. Um, I forgot it was Footy Kit Friday. So I yelled to my boyfriend, hey, can you just pass me a kit? And I'm I'm wearing David Beckham England. So good Ooh. stuff there. I, and it was really, who knows what he was going to throw at me. So not no problems there. I'm going to go through this news now, guys. And then y'all can comment on everything that stu- stuck out to you guys. First of all, I'm going to start here with London City Lionesses. Fire coach Carolina Morace and assistant Nicola Williams. Rachel Daly will serve a three-match ban for violent conduct. And she swing, swung an elbow at a player in the Bristol City match. It didn't happen or didn't get caught during the game, but was later... Uh, checked and admitted to Tyler Lucy extends her contract with North Carolina Courage through 2025 with a mutual option for 2026. And both the draftees, Kennedy Wesley and Maya Jones, both sign a two-year deal through 2025 with the San Diego Wave. Caitlin Torpley transferred from to San Diego Wave from Mul- Melbourne City FC for an undisclosed fee. And a few days later, her teammate Goalkeeper from Melbourne City to Bay FC for an undisclosed fee as well. She signed through 2025. And maybe um, Darian can help me with this. Is this French? Les Emplus. Apparently, it is a record-breaking outgoing transfer fee for Melbourne City in Australia. Veronica Latsko extended her contract with Seattle Reign FC through 2025. And exciting, not in the trade situation, but Denmark and Sweden bid for the 2029 Women's Euros. Um, They launched a joint bid 
to host the 2029 Women's Euro. Sorry, both countries were part of a failed four-nation bid to host the 2025 Euros um, that were assigned to Switzerland. So they're continuing to attempt there. And then lastly, U.S. Soccer Federation board meeting open session occurred, and Matt Crocker had some commentary about the women's national team specifically, which is what we'll talk about here. Darren, why don't we go ahead and start with you there on, on some of the stuff that stood out to you from his comments. Yeah, I think what stood out is that they are keeping the youth train alive. Uh, He had said that they're going to keep bringing in these younger players who we have all spoken our opinions about. We're super excited to see the likes of Jaden Shaw, Mia Fischel, really getting their their time in this U.S. Women's National Team and being able to see their impact. And so I think it's reassuring to see that that's really this year and going into the Olympics, that is the trajectory that they're taking especially with Emma Hayes coming in really soon. Time has kind of flown by with this team and uh, when we first saw that she got the job. So I think it's exciting to know that she has a hand on the tactics, the personnel that are coming in, and that it's just going to be kind of the same the same team that we've been seeing and see this chemistry keep building in the She Believes Cup. Sandra, yeah. did anything stand out to you? Because obviously uh, one of the big things that stood out to a lot of people was he said that Emma Hayes' start date is yeah. she keeps telling me it's going to be on the 28th of May when after she wins the Champions League. Obviously, big statement there from Emma Hayes uh, coming and becoming the U.S. coach after that. I mean, it's it's part of why they went out and got her right. She she was the target. That was the energy part of the energy they were they were looking for. Um, and I love it. I think I think if you're finding yourself as a American fan, a fan of the U.S. women's national team, you're all about it as well. I think they've made enough effort to say this is the timeline, this is what it's going to be, but that doesn't mean in the meantime that there's you know no reasons to still generate a buzz about it, and I think that's part of it. So the fact that she's putting a deadline on it of the 28th when she <laughs> wins Champions League, I, I think is, is is pretty good, especially as a as a U.S. woman are getting ready to take on uh, the the Gold Cup. I also, you know, like that in terms of a short term outlook. Crocker saying that the She Believes Cup roster will continue a, a youth trend, I think, is is equally important. I think when we had our reaction show about that roster drop, we weren't too surprised that maybe there was some carryover from those December camps with maybe a couple of, of more experienced players called in in the meantime. But this is this is what it is. This is what it means to kind of wave in and bring in a, a new era with a new manager. And maybe that includes getting more looks at, at players who haven't normally found themselves inside of these uh, senior national team camps. So, you know, not not something that hasn't that we haven't heard uh, before, I think, in terms of what came out of 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 the board meeting and and the areas of which they touched on varying levels of, of women's soccer in in the United States but refreshing to note that it's similar messaging and, and similar phrasing with this announcement Matt Crocker also mentioned the Olympics draw that's happening in March so it, I mean it's crazy to think that there are still teams and nations that are qualifying for the Olympics and that they haven't qualified yet and Jenny uh, some of the other news that you touched on briefly was that San Diego Wave has made some really big signings some things that caught my eye um you mentioned two new signings for them 
with two draft picks from this year, defender Kennedy Wesley out of Stanford and forward Maya Jones out of Memphis. She's actually a Canadian international. Uh, Wesley was first round 12th pick overall, and Maya Jones was third round 42nd pick. But these two young players that were drafted this year in the NWSL, they signed two-year contracts with San Diego. When you look at the roster makeup for Casey Stoney and the San Diego Wave. She's utilized her young players. I mean, of course, Naomi Gurma comes to mind as the number one overall draft pick in 2022. But that year, in 2022, seven players that were drafted got time under Casey Stoney. And she does a really good job of bringing in young players, being able to see their potential, maybe move them around the pitch into different positions. And I think offering Wesley and Jones two-year contracts through 2025 says a lot about the potential for these players. San Diego also signed defender Caitlin Torpsey out of Melbourne City FC on a two-year contract. So again, through 2025, Torpy's an Australian international. Australia, one of those nations that still has not qualified for the Paris Olympics, um, but they are currently in the tournament and Torpy named to that Australian roster for the qualifying tournament that starts February 24th. So in addition to all these players that Casey Stoney is signing, you have to imagine she is looking ahead to the season when players like Naomi Gurma are gone on international duty, that she can really utilize some of these young players, including Kennedy Wesley, who is a center back, played alongside Gurma at Stanford, won a national championship there in 2019 can somewhat seamlessly transition into this roster and be there for the long term. Beautifully said, Lisa. Um, There's a bit of breaking news, so I want to make sure I say this before we get rid of the news section. The USL Super League is thrilled to confirm today that it will compete at the highest level of professional women's soccer in the United States following the U.S. Soccer Federation's approval of its Division I sanctioning application. So apparently the inaugural season will kick off in 2024-25 in August with eight markets across the United States, including some new teams. I know uh, Darian was excited about Brooklyn, New York being one of the teams. Um, obviously, this begs the question a lot about you know NWSL in comparison to the USL Super League, and is that an equivalent Division One status, right? And what will happen with the different players there? But Lisa, I know you wanted to touch on um, potentially this this big news. Yeah, Jenny, this is really, really huge. Initially, the Super League was going to qualify and apply to be Division Two sanctioned. And then they changed and said, let's go Division One. We want to be a full professional team, which essentially competes with the NWSL for professional status in the United States. There are some disparities, though. It's a smaller league. But Amanda Vandervoort, who is president of it, of the Super League, has talked so much about how she wants everyone to take them really seriously. Their ownership groups, the clubs, the leagues are creating a professional environment for top-level talent to compete. And the fact that this got approved just opens up the door and so many more opportunities for players collegiately, younger than collegiate, to make that transition and become a professional player. You look at the draft this year in the NWSL, yes, it was the biggest draft ever with 14 teams and over 50 picks, but there were over 230 players that registered. That means all of those players didn't get picked. So they have the choice now. They can go overseas. They can go to Mexico or they can stay in America and look to play in the Super League at one of these eight different teams uh, across the country. Um, I like this. I I do like it. I think it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds and especially come August when the league kicks off. I also, sorry, Jenny, I also think... uh... It's really good competition for the NWSL because we've been 
really critical about the standards in the league and you know, facilities, bringing fans in, marketing employees, uh, paying players. I don't know what that structure is going to look like in this new league, but I think it's going to make NWSL really have to step up, especially with teams that have been in the NWSL since its inception. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure. And same for the USL. Like you have to make it appealing for players to not want to strive for the NWSL and to come there. So I love it. I think comp- the more competition, the better. It's going to elevate the standard for women's soccer in the U.S. in general. So I'm here for it. Sandra, how do you feel about it? I think competition breeds competition. I think the fact that they are bullish on the fact that they wanted to make this type of splash, that they wanted to strive for that type of Division One licensing, I think is important to note. And the fact that they pretty much have checked off everything that was on the checklist to go ahead and earn that, I think should be applauded for for this league. And I'm eager to see how these eight clubs get out there and start navigating kind of the ecosystem of what it means to be a fully professionalized women's soccer league in, in this country. I think you look to NWSL and we could say there's 12 seasons there. There's 12 years there of experience to sort of look at perhaps maybe even a little bit of a blueprint. And I would even argue to say a blueprint of of things that have been successful and things that have not been successful. There's a lot of lessons that we have seen this uh, NWSL league go through and kind of have to learn. And some of those lessons have been very hard ones. So I'm eager to see this landscape kind of expand in terms of a women's soccer a soccer ecosystem in this country. And I'm with Darian in that we're coming off of, of a wave of an offseason here with players who just went through a draft. We saw over 200 players make themselves eligible, knowing that they were going to go put their name up on a draft board with only 56 or so of them able to be selected in that event. So this does provide a different pathway. I'm, I'm also with Lisa on that in terms of what are the options in front of, uh, you know, women in this country who want to seek out, you know, avenues to play professionally in the United States. And now there's another one here. So, you know, will we see USL continue to grow in, in, in this aspect? You know, selfishly, I'd love to, to see a, a, mid, a Midwest team kind of, you know, raise their profile. But I'm, I'm eager to see, you know, what, what that looks like. You know, what do the resources look like, like for, for this league? What, what is the infrastructure in place? Because that's we're finding two of these leagues, even though they're in similar title on that pyramid in U.S. soccer. I think they're in very different phases of their existence. So we've got one league that has kind of paved the way and we've got another that is coming in and still has to ensure that they are going to maintain that status that they work so hard to get. And so much of growing and and learning in any aspect of life is taking the mistakes of other things, and that includes the NWSL, and using those as lessons. And I hope uh, this USL does that. Sandra, I'm surprised you didn't say iron sharpens iron. That's like a phrase you love to use. And this is a perfect- I do love iron. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Iron. Someone in the USL named your team after iron. Do it. Anyways, yes, I, I agree that, you know, this is this is exciting news. This is big news. Just, you know, any kind of money going into women's soccer and different opportunities for these players. Lisa pointed out something really great about the numbers of players that are available to play and want to play. And obviously there's a limited amount of that in the NWSL. So we're going to continue to follow that story. And as that progresses, we are excited to see what that pay structure looks like, what everything looks like in terms of resources um, and experience for everything. We're going to go ahead and go to a quick break and we're going to be talking about the Women's Champions League draw next. The quarterfinals are set and we're going to talk about our picks. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Welcome back into Attacking Third. Like I mentioned, we're talking Champions League. The draw is set. I'm going to talk you through it. Braun is playing against Barcelona. Ajax is up against Chelsea. Benfica is against Lyon. Haken is against PSG. Uh, we have eight teams left. That's what a quarterfinal means, everybody. And there's time to say Sandra and Lisa were right. Let's go ahead and give a round of applause Ooh. to our OG crew because they guessed this one right. Um, Lisa, what are we looking at here? Yes, I predicted, I said my dream quarterfinal matchup would be Hawken against PSG. Um, Hawken has been really feisty. They've been competitive. They've been gritty throughout this tournament, throughout the group stage. They've done a really good job to make sure that they're not out of matches at all. They they don't put together complete 90 minutes, but they play until the final whistle, which has gotten them this far. Uh, when you look at kind of who they were potentially going up against, this is a hack inside that knocked out PSG uh, or Paris FC, excuse me, who Paris FC knocked out Arsenal. So the trickle down effect, I think, gives Hacken a lot of confidence. Now they're going up against a PSG side that has been susceptible to give up goals. They they only had two shutouts in the first two group stage matches. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this matchup. Um, I That's why I picked it. It's why I wanted it. And finally, I get to see it come to fruition. And I also really like to be right. So I like when my predictions hit. <laughs> uh, Lisa, I hear you, my G, my girl. We go back making our predictions. But I like that we 
you know, we're pitched this. Jenny asked us our dream matchups, and and I, I love that you went this route. I went the route of IX Chelsea, and lo and behold, it it, it came true. I, I think similar, just to echo what Lisa's sentiments were. I think when you're looking at, at the two pots that they pulled from for the draw, what were going to be the most intriguing? And I just felt like IX with so much of, of their current form that maybe – the first kind of big name that they were going to go up against in a knockout or in a, in an elimination scenario would be Chelsea. I like that these two teams are going to go head to head. I think there's something to be said about a team that is playing ridiculously in form with a lot of good pieces, but also at the same time playing with nothing to lose and making history at the same time. I've really appreciated what we've seen out of IX during the group stage. Now we get to see as the lights get brighter, how they're going to continue to navigate this tournament. They're in their first quarterfinal they're making history as they go and they're doing that with a number of talented pieces and we've talked a lot on this uh, show about Lily Johannes but they have shown that they can be quick in their transition they have shown that they're able to put on a little bit more of an organized front and I'm here to hopefully see some of that energy still carried over into these big bright games how are they going to to operate when they're going up against a Chelsea side that has had some experience in these moments? I don't think it's going to be an easy battle for Chelsea, but this is the team that has been there before. This is the team that is also chasing a bit of history of their own. I think maybe some folks forget that sometimes, that this is a title that this club, that the manager and Emma Hayes has eluded them. That is one that they have not been able to obtain. So they, I think in that sense, are also equally motivated. And I think they, good teams will find that. They will find those things that keep them motivated. So whether it's making sure they get this title or the fact that there was so much attention placed on the fact that Sam Kerr went out with an ACL and who was going to step up and how were they going to operate, they've answered those questions. So how will it all look coming together when these two teams go to head? I'm, I'm thrilled that they got matched up. All right, Darian, Benfica, Leon. Benefica Leon. You know what I love about all of this is it would be so easy to pick all of the heavy hitters, the favorites, or you know, kind of what we would expect to be in the semifinals. I am really hoping that we see some heavy hitters knocked out. Specifically, Leon against Benefica. It's Benefica's first time in the quarterfinal. Um, I think we've seen them be a really gritty team. They get exposed in the back line quite a bit. Um, sometimes that off of their own mistakes, but if a team scores, they're also going to score. We just saw their last match against Barcelona, 4-4, an eight-goal game. So that's what pushed them through. I think that Benefica, even watching their celebrations after they score and after the game, there's so much spirit about this team and so much positivity that I think that that's going to be a huge driving force. Even when you go up against a team like Leon, who is super established, has some of the best players in the world on their squad, have won this tournament many times before. Heart is always going to trump everything else. And so I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I think, you know, Leon's going to come prepared, but I don't know. I think the spirit of Benefica and watching this team perform is going to be a really, really good game and a huge test against Leon. So maybe we'll have a Hacken Benefica semifinal. I, Ooh, I don't know about Brent. I, I, okay. Maybe. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Barcelona, maybe Ajax, because I do think Where, Ajax, again, is another one of those teams. 
could really shock them. <laughs> I think oh. I think they can kind of shock Chelsea. We've seen Chelsea's weaknesses in the back line, so yeah. I, like, okay. I'm also okay, myself because I did say I wanted Chelsea in the final, but the way this tournament's going, I don't know. All right, that's, that's Darian's final four. That's Darian's final four. Um, Sandra, give me your final four here, potentially moving on to the semis. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, look, I'm I'm high on all of these teams in, in some capacity. You know, I think we've been treated to some real good stuff in this Women's Champions League tournament. But I think there's something to be said about the icons who have been in these moments before. I don't know if there is a team right now that can slow down Barcelona. I wouldn't be shocked if we see them in the semis again against Chelsea. And look, I've been saying it all along to the season to believe in Hecken. I, I hope they continue to upset. I hope they are the team that maybe provides that little bit of a shock. So just like Darian is really high on Benfica, I'm high on Hecken. I want to see Hecken through. Maybe they get to take on the other really big wig in Lyon. So hopefully I, I get that, Sandra. I think Hakan is a team that could advance. I, I love that we're making these predictions, Jenny. So thank you very much. My dream semifinal has to be Chelsea-Barcelona. I think that's a matchup that is one for the ages. Both of these sides are have managers that are leaving at the end of the season and not just leaving their clubs, but coming to America. Emma Hayes with Chelsea, of course, going to be the U.S. international women's coach. Um, and Jonathan Giraldez going to Washington Spirit in the NWSL. Both of them wanting to leave on a high note with their clubs. Of course, Emma Hayes just wanting that Champions League trophy so, so much. And that's a rematch, right? Chelsea got knocked out by Barcelona in the semifinal last year. That was a 2-1 score on aggregate. And then in 2021, Chelsea lost to Barcelona in the final. So that is a, a matchup that just has a lot of history. It's It would be a really, really good game. So I'm going to go Chelsea-Barcelona, and then I'm also going to go Hacken against Lyon. Oh, stop. That's exactly what I was going to say. So that means that the three of us are all on board here, and Darian has Benfica through on the other one against uh, PSG potentially. But okay, that was our picks. We're going to go to a quick break because there's so much more to cover in women's soccer. And you know, we'll continue to cover the Champions League, so stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, until recently, and I think most of the teams in Europe, because most of the teams are both men and women, so those staff tend to be shared between men's and women's teams. And in reality, that means that more focus and more attention are going to be devoted to men's and women don't get enough. So it was very important to me that we have dedicated staff to take care of our female uh, staff 24 by 7. And, you know, we had, I think when, we, when I first get, got here, it was about 11 dedicated staff and sort of a shared staff. And now we have about 26 dedicated staff 
and some uh, other resources. So it's about one-to-one ratio between players and staff, and that's probably something that that many teams have. Wow. First of all, Michelle Kang is gold from start to finish, from outfit to what she's saying to how much she has invested into women's soccer. But what she just said there is a big deal. That's basically a one-to-one player to staff. That is amazing. That is something that we have not seen in the women's game. I'm not sure if the men's team has seen it, but there were basically she has been unveiled officially as Leon Femme's owner. And she had this press conference where she talks about how, you know, she doesn't really like press. She doesn't like pictures. She's very like private, but she needed to come and speak about um, all the changes and implementations that were happening as she becomes the owner of, of Leon Femme. Ladies, this is awesome, awesome stuff. They went from 11 staff members on both teams, men's and women's to 26. So this is, I mean, throughout the whole time that she speaks, obviously there's a full interview um, and there's plenty to talk about there. That That's a huge, huge advantage there, Lisa. Yeah, it's massive, Jenny. And I think so many people know the name of Michelle Kang now because of how much she has invested in the women's side. Of course, being the owner of Washington Spirit in the NWSL, the London City Lionesses, and now um, in France with Lyon. And she's not just an owner that's throwing money at things. She's actually very invested and very involved in the changes that she once implemented at these clubs. And it didn't just stop after her first ownership move in getting the Washington spirit. Look at how involved she is, even just hearing that soundbite from her press conference. Throughout this press conference, she talked about how she wants a new stadium for this team. They are currently playing in a 1,200-seat training facility, and she wants to build a fifteen to 20,000-seat stadium for them. She wants more staff, more resources. Uh, one of the quotes that she said is, quote, as my head of performance says, women are not small men, so they should not be trained based on the training manuals developed by men. And that's why she is changing everything. She wants full staff for these women, including head of performance, nutritionists, psychologists, specialized staff and training environment for these players. She's invested at the forefront of the women's football development and making changes. And she's actually putting the action into place. She's not just saying it. She's not just throwing her money at these teams and saying, do what you want. She is actively involved in the meetings, in hiring these people and making sure that she is has a head of performance, educating her and saying, this is what we need. And this is what these professional female athletes need in order to succeed and getting it done. It is, it's awesome. And it's really inspiring. Stone Cold Fox, Michelle Moneybag King. I aspire to be like her when I'm older because, Lisa, I totally agree. I loved everything she said about raising the minimum standard that is not in just in France, but just in women's football in general. And another part of the interview, she actually talks about how in the French League, there's besides, you know, the top two to three teams, which is, well, four is Paris FC, PSG, Lyon, Bordeaux. The standard is incredibly low. There's not a lot of investment. So she spoke about how, She's having meetings with other female owners in the French League to talk about marketing ploys, enhancing the pitches, the stadiums, raising the minimum standard of performance coaching, um, how to draw fans and marketing ploys. She is really creating the blueprint of how women's football should be run and how the standards should be raised and what it should really look like and what these players deserve. I completely agree with Lisa. Not only is she just putting money 
into a team. She's there on the ground saying she's going to be at as many games as she possibly can. She's going to be heavily involved in each of the business decisions. And she's trying to improve the league, which is so huge as an American going overseas and doing that. And I think building that relationship with the spirit, the NWSL and Diwan Arkema and Leon is going to be really, really something that we should look out for in the future, because I think we're going to see a lot of more crossover, hopefully between owners in both leagues and around the world. I'm with you. And and Lisa, I think we're kind of all going to echo similar sentiments here when it comes to, you know, hearing these types of interviews from owner Michelle King. I, I think the part of it is is kind of zeroing in on what has existed, what currently exists, and how that's going to be expanded in, in the future. And like hearing Darian talk about playing for, you know, one of these iconic brands, and yet the standards still be a little bit subpar because it's the women's side of the game. And that's the next frontier, right? Where it's not just about, you know, seeing some of these more uh, historic, you know, type of brands and soccer teams have women's teams and make sure that they're up and running and, and participating in their first division levels. It's, it's not so much about that anymore. It's, it's about expanding and opening our, you know, our, our side of the game, essentially. We, we, we're already hearing it stateside with NWSL that that next frontier is infrastructure. It's infrastructure. It's, it's where, where's, where's the facilities? It's where's the locker rooms? It's where's the, where's the specific training uh, site for these women's teams? You know, again, we, we talked a little bit about USL coming into, into the mix and the American landscape and and how things are going to look there, but we can really kind of have all this info sharing and kind of apply all of these kind of viewpoints and opinions and narratives really globally across the game for, for women's soccer. The fact that we have Michelle King with an ownership stake in, in the spirit in Lyon and London city Linus, and she's going to these different teams and finding similar subpar standards, I think is what something is, is the main takeaway here that it's actually doesn't, really matter where in the globe you go, you're still finding that it's not adequate, that it's not enough for your women's team. So I love that, you know, even if she's someone that doesn't do a lot of media, that she is being vocal, that she is being honest and transparent about that. Because it's one, yes, everyone wants to say, wow, look at Michelle King. She's the owner of one of these like very historic teams, an iconic team that has won so much. And that's all great. And then she gets there and she goes, well, let's talk about what we could do better here. That's what what I appreciate and that's what I enjoy. So I hope that this is just the beginning, really. We're just witnessing the beginning of all this. We need to have it everywhere, not just via Michelle King and her soccer conglomerate that she's building. Beautifully said, guys. Again, I'm just such a big fan of Michelle King and everything that she's doing for the women's game. But not only is she doing this in Leon, like there's so many different aspects to it. She said, there's no shame in the fact that I'm taking stuff from the men's side and I'm implementing it. And I hope that, you know, whoever wants to know what I've learned and what the research that's happening, I want to share it with everyone. You know, she said, I want to share with all the teams to improve French football. And beyond that, you know, she's going to be willing and, and open to just improving conditions for everybody in the women's games. I think that that's beautiful. But there's two things that really stuck out to me. And I'm I'm not going to do it, you know, I'm going to do it a disservice just because there's so much that she talked about that I want to get to, but there's not enough time on our pod. You have to go and listen to the full interview or the, the full press conference. But 
She talks about the training methodology aspect, making sure that they do the research for the women's game because the majority of research, I think she said 90% of the research that's done about you know training and, and men's bodies is on the men and not the women. So those things don't really go into play with these training methodologies that are for the men. They're not small men. They are women. So that's one thing. And all of that research that is done, that that one-to-one player to coach situation will improve the game for women substantially. We talk about ACL tears. We talk about, you know, all of these things and what needs to be done to avoid it. We talk about it being a women's issue. We talk about something, you know, all the time, the research potential. The research potential is there when Michelle King is putting resources behind that research being done and the the people needed around it for that infrastructure to be possible to be successful. The other research that really intrigued me that she's doing on the other end, it's not the training aspect, is the questionnaires that she's sending out. Questionnaires might not be the right word. To the citizens of Lyon, how can we get you guys to come to games? Or why do you not come to games so we can make changes or, you know, try to see who is the fan base that they are targeting and kind of arranging their marketing based upon that. She talked about how how many people responded to those questionnaires saying that, you know, they don't go to games or they do go to games, why they go, what they want to change about it. Surveys is the word she used. Sorry, I use questionnaires. But basically, um, the response rate was massive. And what she said is that they're really going to take into play what those questionnaires or the, those surveys say that they need to come. And it's not just the in-game situation. They talk about Leon always wins. So why do we have to go if they're going to win anyway? Um, it's also the around the match situation, whether that's the pregame uh, stuff, the postgame stuff, what they want to see as fans of the game, as people that go and spend their time and money to come. And she said how much that that's going to affect them. They really want to see that. There was 4,500 people that responded in less than 48 hours. She said, as a businesswoman, we have done this so many times and we have never had that kind of response rate. So Leon is responding and they're giving back feedback. And what Michelle Kang has made very clear in her press conference is we're going to make changes based upon those answers because those are our citizens. Those are our people. And that's who we want to, you know, kind of adjust towards to make them happy. And so that they come to the game, so that they feel included, so that they feel like the experience is what they want. That, for me, was so powerful because that's the research that we all need. Once she gets that research, I mean, the women's game here in the United States will also benefit from that. And and maybe more surveys can be done to get more viewership around our game. So I just think that that's absolutely beautiful and and, and a great point that she made. Both of those aspects of going going ahead and making sure that she does the research aspect and not just putting money in blindly, making sure that there is, you know, something beforehand to decide how to allocate your money, how to allocate your resources. I I absolutely am a fan of and I, I just can't say enough how much I love that. Yeah, the info sharing is so important. Absolutely, hundred percent. I'm so excited. You know, it's just, but it's just, it just goes back to like, you know, hearing, you know, Darian see how she had to experience similar things and playing in, in in Bordeaux, and it's just like, it's just constant. It's almost again, it's like we don't have enough time almost to to dig into all these different nuances when it comes to, you know, building up the resources and infrastructure around the women's game, and I'm. I'm I'm with I'm with you, Jenny. I'm with I'm with everybody. We I think everybody said a little bit of everything that they needed to put their stamp on it and and, and emphasize and reemphasize Michelle King's points moving forward. It's you know it's 
the info sharing, I think, is the the big aspect for, for me. You know, again, I, this is a, this is an owner who's putting money into the a club in the NWSL in the United States, a club in in Lyon in France, and in in England with London City Lionesses. You know, I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that the, the Lioness had to cancel their their FA Cup game because of the pitch, a subpar pitch. They had problems with that. You think that that's not, you know, where's the survey, you know, after the response from that? You know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to, this is, again, this is just the beginning. I'm sure this is just the beginning and we're only going to continue to hear more moving forward. But then at a certain point, once you have gathered and collected as, as much information as, as, as you can obtain, you know, what, what are the solutions? You know, where do, where do those come from next? And I think, you know, Michelle King is already kind of alluding to that. It's going to take, it's going to take this, it's going to take money yeah. in order well, to move those things. Sandra, one of the big things that I know I, I'm obsessed with this, I thought that this was the, the part of the show that I, I found most important. I know that that's not a knock on anyone else, but the fact that, you know, she said it's the chicken and the egg question about, you know, women's sports and going ahead and investing. And she said, you have to make the investment for you to make money. Like you have to, you know, be a part of giving money so that women's soccer can make money. And I think that that's where we are and that's okay to admit that. And for her to go ahead and put that money forward right away and not just say like, Hey, give money, give money. And she's the one doing it. It's just kind of a beautiful thing, but yeah. Why don't we go ahead and preview the weekend to look forward to when we return. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's time to look forward to the weekend and all the matches we're going to watch and take a look at. Um, Sandra, I'm going to start with you here because you're repping Tigres. Let's talk about that Liga MX Tigres matchup to start. I am. L- listen, I might have. I came on the episode showing my colors early, maybe giving a little teaser what we were going to talk about later. But there's so much soccer to always talk about when it comes to the women's game. And I love that we try to do our best to make sure that we touch on all of it. So while we were looking ahead at all of these games to take a look at, I was like, you know, I got to talk about Liga Mekis Feminil. And I got to talk about Liga because they're on top of the standings right now. It's still pretty early right now in the Clausura. So a lot of teams already having around six to seven matches. But I'm keeping an eye on this upcoming game between Tigres and Toluca because I like when there's these early kind of maybe what could be sneak peeks at potential quarters or kind of playoff type scenarios. Toluca's a little bit in that kind of mid stage of the table at this moment, sitting at number seven, but they're unbeaten in their last six games. So they are not an easy team to go up against. A lot of those are draws and we've got a Tigres side that is no stranger to winning. That is what they do in the league. They pick on wins, on wins, on wins, and they score and score and score and score. We're already seeing Tembi Catlana make her impact with this team, getting some goals in her first ever season with Tigres in uh, her first year in the league in Mexico. So I'm excited for for this match. I, I think if there's room for a potential upset, maybe this is one. I don't know if it's going to be a direct loss, but maybe Toluca has enough to possibly 
dig out and grind out one of those draws that they have done so often in this early stretch of games this season. So Tigres, no strangers to conceding a couple goals themselves. They've also got got a draw at this moment, but uh, I want to keep my eye on this one because I think we're going to get a real treat in, in terms of individual performances. All right, we have plenty to pick from because a lot of leagues are in action, obviously. Um, the FA Cup as well. Uh, Lisa, why don't you take us through your pick to watch? Yeah, Jenny, it's the Women's FA Cup fifth round happening. I Actually, there's a lot of really good matches in this one. London City is going to play Liverpool Sunday. That's 9 o'clock Eastern. Remember, London City Lionesses, they just fired their head coach and assistant coach. So what's happening there? Teams are always fun to watch after they have changes in their coaching staff because they're either going to crash and burn or rise above and just dominate. So excited to watch that one as well. But the uh, the big matchup for me is Manchester City against Arsenal. That's Sunday, February 11th. You can watch at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. In the Super League table, Arsenal and City are just separated by three points. City's only lost two Super League games this season, and one of them was to Arsenal. That was early the first week of November. It was 2-1 to Arsenal. Goals from Steph Catley, Cena Blaxinius, Chloe Kelly with the the lone goal for City. Arsenal's hosting this at Meadow Park. And the way that the Super League table has has shaken out right now, it's tight at the top of the table. They City right now, they're only three points behind Chelsea. They've been undefeated in their last 11 competitions. That's back to early, early November. And Arsenal, they struggled with consistency at the start of the season with a lot of their injured players, and now a lot of them are back. That's Viv Miedema, Leah Williamson, Beth Mead. And after they just lost Arsenal against West Ham in the Super League 1-0, making their Super League title hopes that much farther out of reach for Arsenal, they've already been knocked out of the Champions League early on. This is a cup that they absolutely need to focus on in order to continue to advance. Now, last year, Arsenal got knocked out in this fifth round by Chelsea. So there's a bitter taste in Arsenal's mouth at this point. I think they have a chance going up against City. And I only say that because Manchester City is going to be without Jill Roard, midfielder for this team who has done so much work this season in connecting the midfield to the front line, um, being a really good support system for Bunny Shaw in the front line. And and that's why I give a little bit more of the tilt to Arsenal in this matchup, but it's going to be a really, really good battle on the pitch. um, And both teams are going to be fighting for the win. Beautiful, Lisa. Darian, I know you were looking at Sevilla Barcelona this weekend. Yes, Liga F. I am looking forward to this game because the last time this team played, these teams played each other, which was two days ago, Barcelona won 8-0 to zero with Parayuelo scoring two, Bon Mati with two, Cadente with two, and then Carolyn Graham-Hampson and Arias with goals, single goals themselves. And tactically, I'm really looking forward to see what Sevilla is going to change because they were in a 4-2-3-1, went a little bit more defensive, but Barcelona, they're such an intelligent, tactical team that in the run of play on the pitch, they're able to spot weaknesses and destroy. And the score definitely reflects that. So I'm hoping to see from Sevilla some tactical change. Maybe they go try to block out scenes in the back line. They go uh, try to hold down Bon Meti in the midfield so that she's not able to be the playmaker that we know her to be and really just try to quiet down Barcelona. And the one weakness of Barcelona is that when they're really vibing and they're going forward so much and uh, because they have so much possession, so they push all of their numbers up and they can be a little bit sleepy in the back line is Sevilla pouncing on transitions and trying to expose them. And maybe 
make Barcelona sit back in their own half or even at midfield a little bit more because Barcelona had so much possession in Sevilla's half and they couldn't get out of it. So it's going to be a good game to watch. I still think that there's going to be a lot of goals, but this is why we love to watch Barcelona and in this league because you just watch their tactical prowess and how they're able to adjust in real time in matches. But yeah, that's the game I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Beautiful. So that's Spain. We're going to head over to France for Lyon and PSG. That is Sunday at 3 p.m. They're currently number one and number two in the standings. Lyon leading the way with 42 points, 10 points above PSG. Both of these teams obviously in the quarterfinals of Champions League as well. We just talked about them and everyone, uh, well, three of the four of us had PSG getting knocked out. So in this one, I also have Lyon leading the way just in how standings are, how history plays out. Uh, Lyon have not lost a match since the Champions League semifinal against Chelsea. That was back in March. So we're coming up on a year since they lost. And that just goes to show their dominance again. But obviously, they have Ada Hegeberg as their top goal scorer. She has 11 goals on the season. They have scored the most goals per match with 3.9. Okay, so this stat, like, it's not like, oh, they score a lot of goals. No, no, no. 3.9 goals per match average is, is insane. And they have kept the most clean sheets. The closest to them is PSG. So this is a big matchup in France. When we talk about PSG. Um, you know, we have American. We have an American in Corbin Albert. She hasn't been playing 90 minute games or anything, but obviously the other American in Lindsay Horan as well on the Lyon side of that. So, you know, if you're interested in that aspect, you can get a bit of an American versus American. If Corbin Albert does get some playing time in that match, it seems like she's been getting some playing time, but obviously not the 90 minutes there. But yeah, the latest match between these two teams was in October. Lyon winning one nil. Their matches, their matches are typically very one, one goal games just because they are the basically the two teams that are, that are dominating in that league. But yeah, great, great to see stuff there. Lindsay Horan with six goals in 12 matches. So someone to look forward to watching if you are an American fan or US women's national team fan. And that. That was a quick preview. That was attacking third of the day. There's so much football to watch. If I could just name them all, it would take me 30 minutes. So I'm not going to do that. But watch your women's soccer this week, and we will be sure to recap everything that went on on Monday. So we'll see you guys then. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.